Thank you for making your way back to the Emergent Show podcast. Today, I was lucky enough to speak with Hangum Stanfield. Hangum owns Batanga's Pizzerias in the San Antonio market. Now, Hangum was not always a restaurateur. She was an engineer. They moved to Texas and they bought in to the pizzeria. Now that she's in her own entrepreneur owning her own restaurants, she loves to give back. Not only does she give back, she loves to help other restaurants who might be struggling turn themselves around to be a profitable business. Hangum actually does help these people with restaurant marketing and shows them how it can benefit them. She is also the podcast host of Making Dough Show, which, yes, you guessed it, is about money because she wants you and your business to be profitable. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. And if you do, I would appreciate it if you would share it. And of course, subscribe if you have it. So hello, Hangum. How are you today? Doing fantastic. You know, just a great time to be doing business, especially in uh, the hospitality and the restaurant. What do you want me to say? So yeah, <laughs> everyday yeah. changing. So it, it does. And it's, it's, uh, you know, I know here in Ohio, it's kind of a back and forth. Like they, mm-hmm. some restaurants open their dining rooms and then they close them a couple weeks later and, you know, vice versa. Um, how is it with you guys? You guys are open inside and. So we are. Um, and, and I think that we never um, on a state level, a lot of times, you know, when you go do business, you live wherever you live and then you go to open a business or something like that. I think many of us have not thought about how particularly local government can dictate um, how things will go in your business. So we live near San Antonio, but we're not in the San Antonio large county. So we we have slightly less restrictions. Our, our, it's a smaller town, but it's just attached to San Antonio, Texas. So our mayor stops by to check on us and like the city councilmen stop by. So I think they do respect um, small business, which, um, I mean, when you're in a bigger city like San Antonio, obviously there's a lot of people, you can't visit everybody. So we're very blessed to, uh, be in Texas and then particularly where we are in the, uh, near San Antonio. So, uh, it comes and goes, um, and, uh, we just try to roll with it because you really have no other option. So it, it is what it is, but we had to close our dining room for a while. And, uh, our dining room is open at a 50% capacity. Texas went we were going 50, 75%, and then we went back to 50%. So that's gotcha. like where we're at. And I think you kind of hit that on the head. Like, you have to roll with it. I mean, I, uh, one of my partners, Chris, actually, he, you know, he actually feels the same way every day. Like, you just have to handle what, ha- what comes to you, and you can't think about it too much because mm-hmm. if you do, it could drive you crazy, right? Pretty much, yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. So, man being in that industry and it's one of the affected ones that it, it, it is heavy especially like you said 50 percent occup you know occupancy in the restaurant you're allowed to have do you have any advice for anyone working in the industry since covid's directed you know disrupted the job so much i mean um i think that it, uh, if you're referring to folks who work in the industry or folks who own uh, yeah both right both both yeah. sides so let's start with the employee side if you work for uh, different restaurants what happens is there are restaurants that uh, are thriving even during this pandemic uh, a lot of the franchise corporations are doing very well their drive-through continues to be very busy um, a lot of the pizzerias chain uh, wide I was reading something about Domino's that they're keep uh, like 
projecting to open way more stores to continue to lower their delivery time. So they are crushing it. So if you're thinking that an industry as a whole is going down, it is not. So there are also local restaurants that are doing okay as well. So we happen to be one of them by God's grace. We've had like 15% average. We have two restaurants, we have two pizzerias and uh, pizza has been uh, graciously good because we already had a model for delivery and pickup. It just, the bullet went like really close for us, but it, it also means we had to pivot. We had to change a lot of stuff and things, but there are restaurants that are doing well and there are restaurants that are not doing well. And the truth is that eight months ago, uh, when the economy was good and dandy, there were restaurants that were not doing well and there were some that they were doing great. So, um, I think it's important to go back into your vision. Is it that you really are passionate about this industry? You love the intensity. Some people love the fact that it is incredibly stressful, the rush that you get. I mean, if you are still passionate about those things, I would say to you, uh, be diligent and figure out what team you can get on board, local or corporations. Obviously, I'm pro-local. We own local restaurants. but I, I'm uh, pro-local as well. <laughs> yeah. So... And I mean, if you were to join a corporation, I think it's great to learn what it is that they're doing well. And then maybe you can join a local company that you can help them expand and bring some of that skill set that you can go even further and faster working with a local company instead of buying, being part of a large corporation. So again, but if you're not passionate about it, if the fact that it is... Um, you are hoping to own your own restaurant and things get like this and you're like oh i really this is too volatile of industry it's always been volatile it's always been very stressful so if it, if if you're not passionate about it as much as you thought you were not that the reality hit maybe you want to shift and pivot and look into other options i am pro side hustles i think that again you can always um work as a delivery driver for i mean it's in severe shortage of getting drivers anywhere in the US right now. Right. I mean, a few hours here and there, if your job doesn't seem like because the owners of wherever it is that you're working can't predict the future either. So um, that's what I see in terms of the working in this industry. And if somebody was hoping to work their way up, there is still hope in that. And uh, I think there are ways or people who are succeeding. So I would, um, that's how I would think about it. Gotcha. And yeah, I actually work with a lot of chefs here in Cleveland. Side mm -hmm. hustle is photography and so oh wow you know, i i actually have the side hustle of photography and i go in and, and i don't do the food shots i do the real estate shot and then the head shots and the action shots from behind the kitchen right and so it's a little bit different than what most people do for instagram and so i i talk to a lot of these chefs and yeah it's the same thing like they are just waiting for the time when they feel safe to open or they already have it 50 percent, or they already yeah. have it sitting outside and not one of them has honestly wavered, especially in the ones who own their own places. They haven't said, this isn't for me anymore. I got to go find a corporate job, right? So that's the local side. And I think it's critical that if you feel that way to kind of stick it out. And I know some of my chefs that I've worked with have actually come up with stuff that they've never done before. And so you guys kind of created that build your own pizza kit. And I know it's been before this. But how'd you come up with that? It's like a brilliant idea to just, I mean. 
Sure. So we've had we've had BYOP nights at the restaurant, which is build your own pizza for kids. We've done birthday parties. We've had even adult birthday parties that they come in, roll out the dough, which is all part of that experience. Food is when people touch it and make their own. It's about making the customer feel special of their own creation. So we're just simply facilitating that experience for them. So we've had that in a dine-in setting for the last four or five years, and it's been very successful. But obviously, once all of this had to kind of shut down, we even had a lunch buffet, we had to shut it down. Um, So we had to pivot. And what happened is I did see uh, multiple uh, pizzerias around the U.S. doing this. So this was not, there is nothing new under the sun. Look around, there is someone, you know, in the restaurant, you're just competing in a three to five mile radius. So it is important to tap into other people's brains and experiences, um, you know, to your advantage and your team's advantage. You know, we we have, we've got uh, staff to keep. So what happened more for me is that we i had like three customers suggesting it on actually social media they sent us direct messages uh and said hey here's a you know i had seen it before but we were in the midst of oh you know with in march i mean there was so much moving so fast on a daily basis that we were just freaking out but uh, several customers suggested and said hey if you guys had this we'll be all over it and again we serve a lot of families with young kids and so we're like okay let's just start it and this is what happens for a, a local that you need to know your advantages versus a bigger corporation that has disadvantages and advantages we have our own advantage and disadvantage we can make a decision at a 3 p.m and by five o'clock have something you know we i came to the restaurant at three o'clock i was just depressed and very stressed that day i was like you know what i'm just going to take action it came over we set up a box i had one of our staff members just hold the the phone let's do a facebook live and this is what we do and like you know we priced it well and then we've had so many people kind of love the idea i just this morning uh I saw like pictures of, uh, you know, family who had like a four-year-old birthday party. They did, grandparents were there at the house. They did their making pizza at home and stuff. So those just saying those footages is just heartwarming for us. Then again, we want people to continue to enjoy our food and experience it making their own. So it came up with uh, hearing our customers' suggestions and just taking action on it. We've had local churches order like 300 pizza kits at a time um, for like, you know, different events, um, daycares that were going on still during the pandemic. We've had a serving children of essential workers. They've ordered dozens and dozens bulk orders and those. So we lost a lot of our catering sales, but we were able to kind of compensate. But you really don't know. You, you just need to you just need to pivot and take actions. Some things will work. Some things won't work. It's just the, the way it is. And I, and I agree with that. I think, you know, we've kind of pivoted a little bit here with what we do in recruiting. But mm-hmm. the... The interesting piece is, and you kind of touched on it, so how does somebody create a similar experience in their space and their their restaurant or whatever? And yeah, you do compete with a three to five mile radius, but if, if you're in touch with the industry as a whole, I think mm-hmm. you kind of look maybe even past that three to five mile radius and see what someone else is doing yeah. and how you can do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you did mention too, grabbing the phone, going live on social media, on Facebook or whatever. How important do you feel, especially in the local market, social media is to an owner um, or even to somebody who might not be? I see a lot of owners doing it, but I don't see necessarily the corporate people doing it as much. How important is social media in a local market? 
I think it's incredibly important because especially when topics come up, when people think about, oh, business is this, business is that, you know, on the news and people are, there is this disconnection between the fact that businesses are just people. They're, you know, it's, we're, you know, 45 people in this establishment that their livelihood comes out of this establishment. We're just people. So I feel like, again, it goes back into taking advantage of the fact that we are local. The video doesn't need to be perfect. People don't expect us to be a studio generated with high levels of, you know, lighting. Was, people don't expect that. And I feel like, at least in our community, people really appreciate seeing a local business hustling, that they're doing their best. I think people want to reward and get behind somebody that is doing their best because everybody's trying to do their best you know we're in this season that no one's knowing what they're doing we had um as well some issues in the beginning you know when there were like the six feet thing and whatever one friday we got so busy like th the busiest friday ever in like the last six years yeah and so there were too many people in the dining room coming for their pickup at the same time i got like nasty messages we got so many uh, direct messages people that is like this and this and that you know and if you talk to any restaurant owner they will tell you they get a lot of nasty stuff and they also oh, get yeah. a lot of positive stuff it is the world has come to this we even had somebody call the police on us the next day uh, uh come in and so again um what is a local restaurant to do that they are busy for god's sakes you know this is the, the criminal acts but that same morning uh, when this issue happened again we got the feedback from the customer we went into lowe's and got buckets and put cements in and we didn't have like curbside so just you know on google doc a prison you know we created curbside and stuff that morning and that evening a police officer stopped by and we already had something but on social i simply went with the route of you know, gratitude. I thanked our customers for their feedback, you know, apologizing. We really don't know what we're doing. Our headquarters pretty much is my husband and I and, and you know, chatting for hours at the end of the night. What on earth are we going to do? We don't have a headquarters to call like Chick-fil-A. They have people in their office sitting around making decisions. So, um, and people tend to be very gracious. So I think it is important to put your face out there. If you want people to be gracious to you, especially during these times and be generous, you need to be generous and show your humility, show your gratitude in as many ways as you can on social just, and it's free. So right. not, not much and is free in this world. So just might as well take advantage. <laughs> That's for sure. And I don't think it matters either as far as what, if it's a restaurant or whatever industry it is. Oh, absolutely. I think it's funny though that when I go to work with a chef and we've done some videos and photos with hotels, mm -hmm. like what you end up doing is they give you this slide deck of, you have to use these colors and this, this angle and these kind of things. Whereas a social person in a local market who might not, they don't have to worry about that stuff. They can do what they want to do. And the gratitude piece is enormous because it seems as if the people you deal with every day, mm -hmm. they know you're human, right? But in a corporate setting, the people you deal with every day, they expect different things. And I think that's just brilliant um, way to just kind of put that out there. Uh, so tell me, I'm going to kind of give everybody the, the gist of who you are and where they can get a hold of you at right here so that we can just move on to the next question and, you know, just tell them because I know you got a lot going on. Uh, well, you know, as, as I mentioned, so we uh, we're in the San Antonio area. We have two restaurants here and we've been here for about six years. And prior to the restaurant, my husband and I, both our background is in engineering. 
and we had zero experience in the restaurant like not even as a server dishwasher nothing at all and so we we moved from new mexico because we were just not very happy we were living in a very small town um at that time so we wanted to we moved to texas that's kind of how, how it was about and then one day to the next we kind of took over this restaurant and we had so much to lose we had two little uh, boys at that time and so we put everything into it and we were able to like over triple our sales in five years uh, which means that three times the prep three times the right. equipment that is like you know a lot of growing pains that's the that's all it means but uh in the last six years so that's kind of what we do and uh i also have a show called making dough show i got a lot of questions about you know how we've been going about growing ourselves and not only that we travel a bunch we are usually not at the restaurant um much really just come in and again we've invested a lot in in building systems into our company managing things remotely um, a lot of the stuff we've structured it that way and again we have three young children um, my youngest is three and I'm expecting so and all of that with a restaurant so uh, you know yeah great time to be alive during the pandemic and doing all of that so well and I think you, you kind of mentioned you know like you said there like you do it remotely but that also has to have the culture that you guys have set up in order to make it that way. You did put the work in to, to build the systems and the culture, and you were lucky enough to find the people um, to do that. And you said you, you, you have a couple of different things. You have the making dough. You also share quite a bit on helping restaurants, right? Mm -hmm. So you did share a slide deck on the seven tips to turn around a failing restaurant. Does that work during COVID? I mean, do you think some of that works during this time? I think that um, I think that not only works now. I think it works for any uh, business. It, I mean, failing is a relative term. If you're below break even, so you're not doing the best, and that's not going to be sustainable. No matter again, during good times or bad times, but uh, it always depends on who you're comparing yourself to. Um, to see how you're doing as a business. So we've had 15% sales growth, but we read articles that, oh, wait a minute, Papa John's has had 30% sales growth, like we're losing. So that is kind of always uh, our approach because that keeps you humble. Uh, but uh, during uh, that particular show and also that it was the slide deck, I shared the foundations. I think a lot of times we go too long without looking at the foundation of our business. It is all math, a lot of numbers. It is boring and you need to be on top of it uh, because that's just the essence of the business. It's just math. It is, you know, so I go over, uh, you know, assessing how you're doing the health of your business or restaurant. You need to assess different things. And it's not just one thing that's going to determine that you're doing well or not. Obviously, looking at your customer's feedback is a way of assessing the health of your company. Um, you know, all the Yelp and them that we all hate. Um, but, you know, that's just a way of getting direct objective feedback. Um, seeing, you know, looking at our numbers, the bottom line, what is the break-even point? Because that also shifts here and there. Um, just overall, I went over a bunch of the different things. Sometimes you have a business that's in a bad location. We in Texas, for example, if the access is poor of people getting in, uh, people won't just come in. I mean, we have so many options, no business is unique. So sometimes there are just some little little things that you need to assess to be like, okay, that may or may not work, or how can I compensate for that? Maybe it's a bad location. So our rent is not that much in comparison to those guys whose rent is high, but I need to invest that money into marketing and get more, you know, 
make offers that customers can't refuse uh, for them to come try us out. So I think that um, you always need to be, and actually, um, I'm not sure if you're in that one I shared, you know, um, there's this uh, quote by Mark Cuban that he says, work as though someone's working 24 seven to take it all away from you. Mm -hmm. So yep. it literally, you always need to be slightly paranoid as a business owner that you may go out in no time. I mean, who knows, like, um, uh, and, you know, especially it got more real with all the government stuff going on now that they can shut you down, you know, like nail salon, for example, right? They fully shut down for months, you know, something like that can happen. So you always need to be a little bit paranoid that things are going well now in, in a month. It, it may not. So I think that keeps it's a healthy paranoia uh, to have. So, yeah, and I kind of I actually apologize to a, a friend that I'm helping with another podcast and kind of helping him build a business that he's mm -hmm. doesn't have a job right now. And I told him I was sending him some information. It must have been <clears throat> 930 at night. And I was like, Adam, I apologize because I'm just pretty much nonstop. Like I'm always reading about the industry. I'm always trying, you know, and it's what I love. It's what I enjoy. So it's not work to me. And so I'm sending him the information and he's got two little ones at home. And, you know, he's, <laughs> he's like, no need to apologize, but you know, and it is funny because you just don't know. I mean, even the cash is king, but if you're not paying attention to the cash, like you said, and I know a lot of restaurants who have failed because, and small businesses who have failed mm -hmm. because they they throw up the retail shop, they throw up, you know, the, the restaurant, and six months later, the finances aren't there because, yeah, they're making some of the best food and they've been in the, they've been mm -hmm. in the magazines for, you know, look at this fantastic yeah. sandwich but the finances aren't there and that's just going to crush you. And yeah, it's the boring thing, but well, I, I think it's, it's got to, it's so, so important. Um, oh, absolutely. You also mentioned on your podcast though, you know, some tips on how to beat the competition. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think both of these, the seven tips to turn around and beat the competition, they're closely related, but is now the time to double down on beating the competition? I think it's always time to double down. I think that, one of the things you were mentioning, I feel like if you are not able to um, view being a business owner or a restaurant owner as a lifestyle, that is what we have chosen this path, you are going to suffer. This is going to be a seven days a week, um, all day in your mind. I'm not saying you're going to be there, but you are going to be engaged um, all the time. So, um, and it is, for us, it's fun. So if, if, if you don't find it fun, then you know, I feel like if someone doesn't find it, what it is, it, it's just, and we involve our children a lot in different aspects. So we're able to kind of, we don't say it's all the same. So we, and it's food. So it's fun for us. Uh, kids participate in a lot of different things we do, but uh, going back to the thing of competition, um, we have entered a ring uh, and you either going to take a punch or you're going to give up. I mean, it's just what it is. So it is incredibly aggressive. And if you're not ready for it, and if you think it's too much, whatever, maybe you're not ready for this industry because those who are thriving are incredibly competitive. And uh, we've attended a conference called FS Tech uh, multiple times. It's a great conference and it's for technology companies in the restaurant. And you meet with a lot of these people that are uh, corporate people that work for big corporations like Domino, Subway, Panda. These people's full-time job is to beat everybody. I mean, that's just what they do. What's going to be their, you know? And so, especially us as local. I mean, if you're not too careful, you're going to get buried. Um, 
you know what I mean? So we don't, we try to compare ourselves to corporations. So we stay humble because we know that they're, they're, they're beating us. Uh, obviously they're doing things well, but I think you need to always consider uh, that. And when we were talking about kits and stuff and you were thinking about, uh, we were talking about how other people can implement that in their restaurant. You look at Blue Apron, uh, HelloFresh, all of those meal kits, and there are many of them. Actually, I was spending some time researching them. There are actually many of them. These are kind of the famous ones. Those who are not into it, us, you know, have heard. But there are many of them uh, now. And um, our local grocery stores are carrying a lot of kind of kits. And, you know, obviously there's always been pizzas frozen and or just to go or all kinds of stuff. So everybody's trying to survive. So they're not necessarily trying to beat you. Everybody's trying to survive. And in this thing, one is going to go down and one's going to, it's just what it is. And it's objective and you need to view that as what it is. And that is business. It's just a, yes. a boxing game. And what's funny, you mentioned the the dominoes and the panda and the, the people's businesses to just drive other people out of business. Correct. I used to work in a grocery store, uh, a pretty big one here in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Maryland. They had 275 stores. And one of, of course, the main competitors around that time was, you know, Walmart. And so, you know, they always tried to drive mom and pop out, it seemed, right? And that's the theory on everything. But the the piece that I found very interesting when we were doing our stuff and kind of what you're doing now is the local people. Like, mm-hmm. you sell to the local company, the community, you're out in the community, you make a difference in the community. The subway people aren't making a difference in the community. Correct. You're making the difference in the community. And so what are some creative ways restaurant owners or any business owner can make a difference and become a community leader? I mean, you've lived in two small towns or smallish towns now, and I'm sure that it's it's pretty important. Oh, it is uh, very, very important. So I think that when it comes to being a leader in the community, it comes back into you investing um, into the community and investing when things were well going well when you didn't need nothing from the community. A leader is one uh, that is able to, sorry, the sun is in my face. Um, sorry about that. The earth is moving and, uh, you yeah. know. Yep. Uh, sorry about that. So, for example, for us, there was a time um, back years before, uh, uh, for years, we've taken free pizzas to our city council meeting. Um, we've taken, for example, so why am I saying the mayor is stopping by now and the councilman stopping by to make sure we're doing okay? Because back then we invested in it when we needed nothing. We know, I mean, we, we didn't need anything from anybody. It was just trying to cheer up again. We're in a small town and it's not a political thing. We're just, again, everybody loves food and it is at 6 PM. Usually people get off work. And so those right. are good times to drop free food at a, at a local place. But we've taken food to our senior citizen centers like all for years we've done those and just as a way of blessing our community it wasn't intentional i think so it's not like you thinking strategically how can i be a you need to either be generous with the community and understand that the reason you're here is because people support you they are choosing you not not just because of your product because our products are not really that unique um you know there is so much competition so people need to really like you for who you are and you need to know your values so for us again so we 
we live close to a military base, so we support a lot of military families. That is who we are. If someone's not that, you are into something else, you need to align yourself with who you are. And we serve a lot of families with young kids, so we support our schools, we take a lot of free pizzas to the teachers. We've done that for years. And now people intentionally come and support us um, during these times, which is incredibly humbling. And uh, yeah, so. That's awesome. And I think, you know, it doesn't have to be small towns either. I think there's micro communities within those large towns. Like, I mean, you know, if you look at uh, New York City and you have, mm-hmm. you know, your, your, you know, Soho and those kind of things, like you can still make a difference in a large city in a micro community. And it's just getting into the community and, and making sure people know who you are and you're helping them. You know, when I grew up, my grandfather was a minister and he would always be in the community. He'd go anywhere in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and people knew who he was because, but he wasn't, he wasn't even a minister in Parkersburg for the most part. He'd kind of drive 45 minutes to different churches, but he, people knew who he was. He was in the community, right? And I think being in the community is huge. And now I think it's even better with social because you can be in the community now <laughs> without actually oh, being in the community, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. This- we're also very heavily involved in our chamber of commerce. We've been for years. Um, every time there's a grand opening, um, of another business, local business. We've attended those, you know, grand opening, ribbon cuttings, chamber luncheons. Um, and uh, this year I'm part of the board of our Chamber of Commerce because we really are interested in the business community uh, because if everybody thrives, we will thrive, you know, between the families and all. So if people are happier, you know, they have jobs, you know, as a community, we will all thrive all together and when you realize that then it just becomes really simple um, to get out there and uh, see how you can you know serve those in your community yeah and I think the last thing I want to talk about is the why right you've said it a couple different times you've kind of said that if you got into the business to make money it might not be the way to go in a way you kind of mentioned that yeah you want to make the money but you really want to love what you do and you want to you want it to be your why right Mm-hmm. So how does somebody kind of find that why? I mean, I know you guys made a change. You pivoted to a new industry where you didn't have that kind of backing, but you love it now. I mean, obviously, because you're helping other people. So how how does somebody find their why? I think that I'm not going to say that it's a perfect thing. There are days um, that you dislike what you do. It's just what it is. So I'm not going to, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that oh, there are not days that we wish we weren't doing this. It is hard, you know, some days you get so many punches in the face. Sometimes um, it, it gets to be really hard. Um, it's just, I think that um, you need to know what you're working towards. Mm-hmm. So this may not, this is just a stepping stone for the next thing. And you are just learning um, intent, intensely and getting ready for the next phase. So we are, we just love business, I think, as a whole, and we're trying to learn as much as we can. Um, I think being passionate about things doesn't mean it's all rosy. I just wanted to, because I feel like sometimes we hear that and it's not at all. Um, people quit, you know, you have customers that there wasn't enough black olives on a pizza and they make this scene and you know you have to um you know be gracious and humble and stay calm those are hard things but those are skill sets that is going to help you in any way no matter what you do in the future so we're always trying to up our game we're trying to 
you know what I mean? We're trying to enjoy it as much as we can. You, there is this uh, very saying, uh, good saying is like, um, do what you love mm -hmm. or love what you do. So I think we try to be intentional about loving what we do. It's just like a mother. You have a, a baby and, uh, you know, you love your baby and you're not getting any sleep. You, you know, it is hard. Uh, parenting is really hard, but it's, it's part of kind of loving what you do, no matter how hard it, uh, it is. Um, and especially when, when the things get hard, you not quitting during these times, you know, when things are good and dandy, everybody loves, you know, what they do and whatever, but these are the true time that you are able to see, do I really, am I really passionate about doing this or not? Because it's not for the faint of heart, you know, being a chef or being anything in the hospitality, because it's hard to serve other humans. So if you think that, so for us, you know, we're Christians as well, that means something to me, serving other people. And that absolutely doesn't mean it's easy um, or we like it. It's just, this is part of developing our character and we learn a lot. And so um, that is what we've tried to love. And being around good food is always good too. So our, our, our kids have access to unlimited pizza that you always score good things there. So Yeah, that's <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, it is funny though, because I, the same situation, like you got to love what you do, but you got to know that on the flip side, there there's going to be some downfalls to it. And the next, the good thing about life in general, COVID or not, tomorrow you get to wake up and try again. And yeah. I know one uh, chef in Washington, D.C., um, you know what? He's woke up and tr tried again three times. He's on his third restaurant now. And so just because you fail once doesn't mean you can't keep going, right? And so that is, that's just a brilliant message. Well, I love talking to you. This was so awesome. I appreciate, I appreciate this so much. And Absolutely. So thank you so much.